Hello everybody, thank you for joining me again. It's great to be back behind the microphone after a couple weeks of inconsistencies, ready for more NXT discussion. I, of course, am CD, Danny Mac. Thank you for listening to episode 70 of the Undisputed Future Podcast. Way too much of a break between last episode and this one. Let me just address that right now. Have been pursuing a couple personal opportunities, a couple personal problems, a couple mental health things, a couple disappointing career opportunities, so life has just been an absolute whirlwind. Thank you all out there, if you are listening, for being so patient with me. This is actually kind of parallel to something that happened to me last year, um, another personal and career-related issues, and this time of year just seems to knock the crap out of me and uh, just take me out of the game just a little bit, but I wanted to give you guys the most positive episode I possibly could, especially with it being episode 70. You know I love doing something special for the episodes that end in 0 or 5. So last time we spoke was probably the middle of September. So I have to discuss the September 26th edition of NXT, the October 3rd edition of NXT, and of course this past week on October 10th, a 10 out of 10 episode of NXT without a doubt with that huge triple threat North American Championship match with Pete Dunne, the WWE United Kingdom Champion, leader of the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, and former North American Champion and inaugural North American Champion, a man who really believes that title belongs to him, and of course, the one and only and defending North American Champion in Ricochet. So I'll tell you what, Team NXT, I'm going to format this a little bit differently. I'm going to give you a small review of the last episode of September. I'm going to give you a medium-sized, a little more meaty review about the October 3rd edition, because those events clearly influenced what happened this week, and I'm going to go in way more depth on the past episode I just watched, because it's only a little bit after noon on Thursday, October 11th. So enough rambling, let's jump right into some NXT discussion, first with a huge announcement while I'm speaking about North American Champion North American Championship contender, United Kingdom Champion Pete Dunne. Huge announcement just this morning, NXT UK is finally up to be aired on the WWE Network. It will take place next Wednesday, October 17th at 8pm British Standard Time. Now, those of you in the East Coast, I know that we are 5 hours ahead of the UK So it will be 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and then all you other time zones in the U.S. can count backwards from there. 3 p.m. Eastern Time, NXT UK airs on the WWE Network, something I've been looking forward to for a long time, waiting to get more of an in-depth look at not just the in-ring ability of the UK roster, but how the character development is really going to take place once they have a unique and exclusive platform to perform and perfect their craft. We all know we'll see NXT, well, former NXT Tag Team Champions, Mustache Mountain, make an impact on that offshoot of a brand. Cannot wait for that. We'll probably be adding more discussion to my repertoire once that releases, because even as an American, I know I have a couple UK fans out there. I can't help myself but discuss some of the absolute best NXT has to offer, and that includes any continent. So September 26th edition of NXT television, let's sidetrack this a little bit, started off with a UK legend in his own right, William Regal, still getting to the bottom of the Aleister Black attack and investigation, but a shock to the system would come his way as Undisputed Era would point the finger at the general manager. The War Raiders, the War Raiders seem to be getting getting in the way of the Undisputed Era lately, and Adam Cole really pointing the finger at this was unchecked Ricochet and the unchecked War Raiders. Pretty much, how dare you, Bebe? Just unchecking these guys, just letting them run roughshod the same way that the Undisputed Era has run roughshod all over NXT. Only Adam Cole and the boys are capable of uh, of forcing themselves in a situation like that, apparently. But the real, ma- the real meat and potatoes of this segment here, guys, was Adam Cole wants that match. 
He wanted it right now, but William Regal was way too wise to cave to Cole's verbal tactics. Despite this Aleister Black attack on his plate, William Regal, a consummate professional as a authority figure. So a rematch will take place in two weeks, but it will include the men that Adam Cole screwed over in the last North American Championship. Of of course, talking about one of my highly listened episodes in review of the North American Champion Ricochet versus United Kingdom Champion Pete Dunne. That's what led us to this triple threat. But not just that. In Three weeks from them and one week from now, tag team titles also on the line when the War Raiders will finally get their hands on the Undisputed Era, presumably Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly. Seems to be the defending tandem on the Undisputed Era circuit so far, and as I've been wishing, speedy recovery to Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish, of course, getting TV time when absolutely possible. Jumping into some in-ring action, we did see a rare appearance from the premier athlete, Tony Nese, on WWE NXT television, taking on the redemption-seeking Johnny Gargano, not just redemption for his loss for the NXT Championship and his recent fall to the Velveteen Dream, but Johnny Gargano just wants to redeem himself and get back on track and be that guy that the NXT universe once. He's excited for once, as he put it, and he put out his most sincere apologies, not just for not winning, but for changing and really needing to get his head right. Get up way more times than you get knocked down. Great match between Gargano and Nice. I'll get to that when I discuss a little bit more in detail about the October 3rd edition, but another accusation, and it's not involving Aleister Black, it's Lacey Evans accusing Candice of not being a proper wife, really kicked off with a uh, a sort of traditionalist tweet, I guess, by Lacey Evans that even got the attention of Team Kick Captain Dakota Kai, something along the lines of, it's 6 p.m., make sure he has a plate, or uh, make sure dinner's on the table, pretty much something along those lines, really domesticated tweet from the lady of NXT and uh, a lot of first world and progressive women obviously not sharing that same sentiment. So Candice did take on Lacey Evans and I of course will discuss all the Gargano action a little bit later. Moving on to the Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream annoyed by getting interrupted during a photo shoot. He has stolen the show as of late and quite frankly there is nothing further to discuss, unless you want to implicate the NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa, of attacking Aleister Black. Dream says he's not a snitch, but the writing is on the wall. And there's some real appreciation for this Aleister Black attack angle. It's not just doing, it's not just saving face for Aleister Black working off an injury. It's not just providing intrigue around the NXT championship. It is offshooting into each division. Was it the NXT Tag Team Champions? Was it the Undisputed Ever trying to get one last shot and put out Aleister Black for good? One last shot. I noticed my own Adam Cole pun there. Anyways, it doesn't just affect that. It has influenced the actions and the altercations recently of Cassius Ono. And I'll get a chance to talk about Cassius too, but it's giving him something to do. It's given a man who hasn't even made his debut on NXT television yet, and a lot of you bros out there can figure out who I'm talking about. But it, it it's opened up a window for a possible radical introduction for him on NXT television. Riddle me that one. It's involving the NXT women's division because arguably the biggest catalyst and player in this whole investigation, not just my word on this, guys, William Regal values the word of Sanity's twisted sister, Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross, I know. I know what you did. I know what you did. She seems to know what everybody did based on her vantage point on that Florida rooftop. But let's get back to the Alice to Black investigations. Moving a little forward, Lars Sullivan got his own version of a squash match. As we are kind of used to at this point versus Victor Orchats, even though his tights said Walker, 
Could be an Elias fan. That's why he has Walker on his tights. I don't know. He was a sizable guy, but Lars still slung him around and squashed him. But EC3, the BDE of NXT, decided to take it to the Leviathan, Lars Sullivan. Not many men going out of their way to confront a man of Lars Sullivan's stature. Knocking him off the apron, off to the ground. Can anyone stop Sullivan? Would it be EC3? We would see those guys clash in a couple weeks as well. William Regal again, back to him. Nikki Cross, I just mentioned Nikki Cross, but she wants to play with Bianca Belair once again. And on that same night, the NXT Tag Team titles will be defended by the Undisputed Era against the War Raiders. They build it as a double pay-per-view double pay-per-view. I wish it was a pay-per-view event. This is that time in the lull between takeovers. Double main event, I should say, of a tag team title match as well as some raucous women's action. Glossing over tag team action briefly, the Profits would once again clash with the Mighty. The chain and cup robbery means big business for the Street Profits. It would start off with a mighty right hand to Shane Thorne's jaw by the big curse of greatness in Angelo Dawkins. Montez Ford, flying all over the ring. We know what he's capable of. Really, the most athletic hot tag in NXT also belongs to Montez Ford. These, The maneuvers he's able to pull by springboarding off, off people's backs, it's... Montez Ford is something to watch. He could be he could be something special coming out of this tag team if he does get a solo run. Him and Bianca Belair are really proving to be a couple of the ESTs in all of NXT's tag team and women's division. But that would cost him. Montez Ford would buckle at his knees just long enough for a cradle capitalization, almost figure four style. It was really something to see. It would just just capitalize on that knee injury enough for the mighty to pick up another victory. I'm really hoping this rivalry rolls through. I mentioned it before. It's nice to have some rivalries on the undercard, not based just around championships. NXT's women's division is doing it correctly with Bianca Belair and Nikki Cross at the moment, as well as the mighty versus the street profits. But hey, some other women's division action launching around that week was Kyrie Sane versus Vanessa Bourne. Vanessa Bourne has her own vision for success as of late, but really can't seem to find it, and it uh, it wouldn't be anything different against the current NXT Women's Champion. Although a valiant effort by Vanessa, she's on the rise as a talent, but is sent crashing down by an absolutely insane elbow. Kyrie Sane continues her success as champion, but a celebration would shortly turn into determination as Baszler's music would hit, as well as a Rage Against the Machine shirt, and uh, Shayna Baszler's killing in the name of herself. I'm not sure how good that one is. I'm, I'm still trying to work through this. Anyway, short little Rage Against the Machine pun that probably didn't take with anybody out there. Real hit point of this segment is that Shane is cashing in a rematch clause. Kyrie accepts at the WWE Evolution pay-per-view event. When this event was announced, we knew that the NXT Women's Championship would be up for grabs. I can't think of a better matchup for that, where the Mae Young Classic 2 finals will culminate, than having a Mae Young Classic 1 and recent NXT Women's Championship rematch at the first ever all-women's pay-per-view. Really great stuff, really smart booking on behalf of the NXT roster, but that's why I sit here and talk about it, because I can't say enough great things. So excited, cannot wait to be there in person at WWE Evolution. So we know what's next for the NXT Women's Champion. What is next for the charismatic Keith Lee? Well, the NXT title is on his mind, and I'm really hoping that his next move is to narrate my entire existence, or even if I could get that guy to do a short little intro for this show, I would be up and over the moon. But from one guy I hold in such high standards, you gotta see the counterpoint of that and the man I see in pretty low standards as far as NXT television is concerned, the quote-unquote finest in Kona Reeves. 
Kona doesn't see anything limitless about you. I don't know why he would put on sunglasses to meet somebody after just taking them off to meet their eyes. And then he puts the sunglasses back on to get his hair done. There's a lot of things about Kona Reeves in in ring style I don't understand, but I also didn't understand a lot of his unnecessary actions with the sunglasses during this segment. I'm, I'm really just finding irrational ways to get angry about Kona Reeves, and if that's intentional, well done. He's getting the right kind of heat, but otherwise, I'm just I'm just not taking to it. So, this past week on NXT, October 10th, we did see the Limitless One take on a finest set of losses on NXT television. We saw the Forgotten Sons make their in-ring presence known on the first week of October again. But one match I really wanted to take away from, and uh, wow, I'm already going 15 minutes in, and I promised you guys a short summary of September. Whoops! Otis Dozovic! One half of Heavy Machinery taking on Tommaso Ciampa, NXT Champion. Tomato Chips was pointed the finger, the large finger, of Otis Dozovic as far as the Aleister Black investigations is concerned. Heavy Machinery playing a key figure in this investigation due to their captured video footage. I haven't seen the footage myself. I don't believe it's been released on WWE.com, but William Regal claims that it has really helped move things along, kind of eliminate some suspects, and really narrow down the search just the slightest bit. And when it comes to an attack as serious as this, every little bit of evidence can add to the investigation. But this was a match that oozed charisma for the good side in Ozdozovic or the absolute evil that is Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa claiming this matchup as a waste of time, but Otis would see opportunity. The size and strength would help the dozer as far and as charismatic as they would come. As far as you could possibly throw a man and as loud as you can get a crowd, Otis Dozovic made that his statement in this matchup. But Tommaso Ciampa with underhanded tactics would take advantage on the outside Couple really close calls for Otis Dozovic's health in this matchup as well. Tommaso Ciampa really breaking down the larger opponent. But there were also a couple close calls as far as victories were concerned for the big man also. Dozer thrown around that size and Tommaso Ciampa recognized when he was going nowhere. And he was literally going nowhere because Big Tucky, Tucker Knight, would stop him in his tracks. He would hide behind Lady Ref Jess and from underhand tactics outside the ring to underhanded tactics inside the ring, scratch the eyes, unable to get the big man off his feet, but after a series of hanging DDTs, he would put the big man down. The hornless rhino, I believe he was deemed by Mauro Ranallo this past week, but to sum up that match, it was a great match, a big showing for a big tag team. They know what they have in Otis Dozovic. The Macho Man influence is clearly there in his character. And I can't get enough of it. If you're a fan of NXT Tag Team Championship Wrestling, you know these guys as former number one contenders against the Authors of Pain. So they have had the spotlight before. NXT knows what they have in Heavy Machinery. They're getting enough online segments to push that point home. And I personally wish nothing but the best for Tucker Knight and Otis Dozovic, and usually nothing but the worst for Tommaso Ciampa, but you can't take away, the champ knows what he's doing, and all he needs is that one moment to capitalize and take advantage and lead his way to a victory, whether it be a title defense or not. All right, last week of September, summarized and done. September summary kind of seems to be the way of the show. If you want to go back and you just need a little bit of an NXT throwback, uh, last year, I also did a sh- September summary for the entire month. I wrapped up four weeks or three weeks of NXT discussion last year, and uh, it was not easy, but uh, I could not thank you guys enough for listening to me back then and listening to me right now, kicking things off into the month of October, and the spooky season would would set off in a crazy start by Cross. Cross craves a play date with Bianca Belair again, and she vows her secrets. She knows, she knows, she has a major secret. William Regal wants to know, 
the entire NXT audience wants to know, Velveteen Dream wants to know, Cassius Ono wants to know, Tommaso Ciampa wants to know, Johnny Gargano wants to know, I'm sure Kyrie Sane and Candice LeRae sitting back and they want to know, Nikki Cross, such a key figure in the Aleister Black investigation. And the women's action would not stop there. The month of October kicking off with a budding rivalry here in NXT. Candice LeRae, Mrs. Gargano, Mrs. Wrestling, excuse me, I want to use her proper name there, taking on the lady of NXT, Lacey Evans. As I mentioned a few moments ago, Lacey Evans questioning Candice's role as a woman. Harsh. You come after somebody's manhood, I could speak for that experience. And I'm not that bitter of a person. Can't imagine getting personally attacked about how you represent yourself as a wife. Anyway, the size difference in this matchup apparent. The early power advantage did go to Lacey Evans and really impressive head scissor offense coming out of the corner. Really, really unrelenting offense when it came to uh, when it came to Lacey Evans corner offense this one. You saw some really, really innovative maneuvers, definitely some new things added to her repertoire clearly working in the performance center. But Candice LeRae, she's a little spitfire. She would come back and snap on Lacey. She would just unrelenting offense in the corner in her own right. But, but the emotion and the over-the-topness and the listening to the referee's rules in order to not get disqualified, she cracked an open just, just enough of a small opportunity would lead to a huge women's right hand out of the corner right on Candace's jaw for the one, two, three. So Lacey Evans, Lacey Evans has quite the repertoire and quite the resume in NXT right now, guys. She has a win over current NXT Women's Champion Kyrie Sane, and she's also beaten one of arguably the most popular women's wrestlers in NXT in Candice LeRae, one of the most talented women they have on this roster, somebody who has stepped into the ring with men on her independent circuit days. Lacey is building in NXT. She's already my most improved superstar from 2017, moving into 2018, and after that match, I know it was just as far as women went, but I think that might, uh, that might sum things up as far as improvement goes across both genders. Great match for Lacey Evans and a very impressive victory. What's next here? Adam Cole, Pete Dunne, and Ricochet would speak out on their high-stakes triple threat match, which I will get to on a matter of moments. But Tommaso Ciampa, Tommaso Ciampa would speak on the Velveteen Dream and address those accusations and just a simple warning from the champion. Be careful. Be careful. Really cryptic words coming from the NXT champion. And Velveteen Dream will get a chance to retaliate when I discuss next episode. Moving on to a six-man powerful force triple tag team. I don't know. It was the Forgotten Sons throwing around a bunch of jamokes. Former NXT tag team champion Wesley Blake. Chad Lale, now known as Jackson Riker, one of the most badass names in all of NXT's roster right now. And, of course, the former Marine Steve Cutler, part of the initial force that was the Forgotten Sons. A lot of people don't know this, and they've actually kind of been addressing it on NXT television lately. Jackson Riker was not always with the Forgotten Sons. Forgotten Sons were just Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake. They saw themselves as the outlaws who were outcasted and left on the wayside. And Jackson, obviously feeling the same way, would join this, the, these, these sons of anarchy of NXT. And I know some of you are thinking it out there if you're familiar with the show. And if you're not familiar with the show and have a Netflix account, just watch a couple episodes and tell me that the Forgotten Sons don't give you... Tell me they don't give you Sons of Anarchy vibes. For Christ's sakes, the main character's name is Jax. I'm just going to leave it at that. Tori Kirsch, Cesar Rise, and Vinny Mixon would be victimized. The dominance of the Suns, forgotten no more, the tandem offense, and the power game is completely pun intended, 
strong. The stomp to the reverse DDT, devastating maneuver, even with a broken face, the tough Steve Cutler out there in the middle of the ring. Really, really vicious shot in his last tag team matchup. Broke his nose, but is still out there in a... uh, And I'm not sure how many of you are going to remember this, but coming off the dashing Cody Rhodes gimmick in WWE, went to grotesque Cody Rhodes and uh, Trish Stratus even rocking a face guard way back when. The the nose protector face guard, Joey Mercury. I could list a lot of of places where that, that guard has come into effect on wrestling television before, and Steve Cutler, no exception to the rule quite yet. I'm really waiting to see that thing get used as a weapon one more time. Probably going to happen on the last week. Steve needs to wear it, and uh, I'll be here to discuss all of that. Forgotten Sons, anyway, walking away with another victory on NXT TV. For the first time in six-man action, we saw Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler with tag team victory. We saw a powerful display by Jackson Riker in singles victory, and now all three of these men hold the victory, sharing the ring together. And two people who can't wait to share a ring again are Shayna Baszler and Kyrie Sane. May Young Classic Finals 1. Unbelievable NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4 NXT Women's Championship match. And now, WWE Evolution, these two ladies will meet again. But apparently not as the same competitors. Shayna Baszler dipping back in to her mixed martial arts roots and going to a absolutely grueling training camp state-of-the-art stuff even just the glimpse at what Shayna has been doing really shows her dedication to getting that NXT Women's Championship back not viewing it as an underdog victory for Kyrie Sane but simply a mistake by Shayna and of course there's three sides to every story there's going to be Kyrie's side of her victory there's going to be Shayna's side of her loss And there's going to be the truth, which is kind of floating in that middle ground of the NXT audience. And uh, as somebody who was there at Brooklyn Live, I can say that Shayna Baszler's shoulders were pinned right down. Shayna's shoulders. Try that one five times fast out there, Team NXT. Anyway, moving from Kyrie and Shayna, Bianca Bel... I'm sorry, Miss Belair. Miss Belair would get some much, much needed, I guess, or much wanted microphone at time with Miss Kathy Kelly. She went from needing to beat Nikki to a need to embarrass her. Don't forget off that off the announce table cross body. Great stuff by Nikki Cross. It's not the first or last time we will see Nikki Cross fire on all cylinders to take out a opponent. You remember the last woman standing match with her and Asuka? Well, I hope some of you do, because apparently WWE mainstay television on Raw and SmackDown seems to have forgotten, because Becky Lynch and Charlotte is billed as the first ever last woman standing match in WWE. Just really goes to show you the the offset that NXT seems to have from the main roster, and just another little pet peeve of mine. But something that you can't deny, Bianca Belair is still undefeated. Ted, undefeated, 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 can she be defeated by Nikki Cross? We will find out on the same night that the War Raiders get their shot at the NXT Tag Team Championships. That will be October 17th's edition of NXT. Moving on to a singles matchup here, though, we had Johnny Gargano taking on the premier athlete of Tony Nese, and I'm running into a half hour, and I haven't even gotten to this week's episode of NXT, so I'm going to do as much justice as I can to deliver on both of these athletes. Johnny Gargano on a path to become himself again, Tony Nese looking to get his career back on track ever since uh, his little run-in with former Cruiserweight champion and former WWE superstar at this point, Enzo Amore. Trying to get back on track, not as one of Gulak's enforcers, as you thought, but as Buddy Murphy's training partner and who is now the Cruiserweight champion due to that spectacular match at Super Showdown. Does Tony Nese try and buddy up a little bit more? Does he have some friendly competition with 
his training partner. What will Tony Nese's 205 Live future hold? We don't know. And I'm really hoping this isn't a precursor for Johnny Gargano on the main roster. Because everybody I've kind of seen just scrolling through the Twitter timeline when you get these main roster predictions for a guy like Johnny Gargano, everybody sees him pigeonholed right into 205 Live. And based on Buddy Murphy's accomplishments from NXT to 205 Live and wanting to put himself in that situation, it it can't be that bad, but it's really all a matter of what you make it and uh, what you're allowed to make it. I'm not going to go into any backstage politics I know nothing about. Anyways, Johnny Gargano looking way more confident in this matchup with Tony Nese. The Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Failure, 50-50 chance I could have uh, I could have done without. All right, it wasn't 50-50. You're not going to get 50% of an NXT audience chanting Johnny Failure, but you're definitely get going to get a lot more than this NXT podcast host would have predicted to uh, to have occurred. Real showcase match for Tony Nese. Crazy, high-flying, definitely showing off that premier athleticism. But the Gargano resistance would line him up for a victory. And speaking of showcases, really getting a chance to showcase his talents was Tony Nese. Getting a high-profile victory and really his first step on his comeback tour is Johnny Gargano. And one of the other biggest Johnny Gargano fans I may know, you guys might know him from his coverage on Who Got Next podcast, Nick G. Nicky G, Nick Giacobi. I'm really hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, I'm usually pretty good with Staten Island Italian last names, but Nick, I wish you all the best down there at Full Sail University and on your educational pursuits and have a great time at any NXT events you seem to be going to, my man. You got some spotlight on the main on the May Young Classic, hanging out with Ricochet. Spotlight during Johnny Gargano's entrance, well, exit from the ring, and uh, really can't wish those guys all the more best. Thank you for uh, for giving out a little bit more consistent NXT coverage than I have been lately. Talking about putting somebody over, right? Shifting gears, <laughs> shifting gears. I mean, we could talk about partnerships here. We could talk about tag team chemistry on NXT television. We got a one-two punch. And for those of you who don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Bald Bruisers. And if you don't know who I'm talking about from there, I'm talking about Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. We got the origin story that some of us are familiar with and others may not. Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan starting off as hard-hitting competitors against each other, really putting and pushing themselves to the absolute best against one another. Great series of matches, eventually leading to a tandem. And uh, the average blokes. Anybody ever see Dodgeball? The average Joes? That's kind of the impression I'm getting from these guys too. Oni Lorcan seems to be taken to it. Danny says they're just a couple of average blokes who want to put their names on the map and really want to jump back into that NXT Tag Team Championship spotlight. And you couldn't... Uh, I know I want to see that match again. Because that match was so good and Oni Larkin was so tough, he suffered an orbital bone injury during that one and still finished the matchup and was still able to get an incredibly pro Undisputed Era crowd to give them some highly earned respect by the end of that matchup. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, right after that interview, I went back and I watched the opening Tag Team Championship match from NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. And that respect was well earned. Okay there, guys. Sorry. Had to catch my breath. Going 34 minutes. Still have another week of NXT to cover. Lars Sullivan. EC3. EC3. Not basking in his entrance there. He has all business on his mind. He went straight for Sully in this one. And the assault on the steps. Real head of steam for EC3. Showing off that strength, and when EC3 wanted to get his hands on the larger opponent, he was able to do so. But there's just something about Sullivan's explosive power and obvious size that is too much for even the NX3 chairman to maintain. Lacerations to the back of Lars and to the face of EC3, just an absolute, really brawling Almost, I wouldn't call it a bloodbath, but a blood-shown match here 
on NXT. Really good and brutal stuff between EC3 and Lars Sullivan. I'm actually hoping at the end of this one, this is not a rivalry that is over and done with. I want to see EC3 earn himself victory after victory after victory, just unfortunately not happening here on television. Diving headbutt by Lars Sullivan for the win. And uh, I don't want to gloss over this point. I do not like the headbutt. I don't like it when it hits an opponent anywhere. I think there's just so much that could go wrong on that move. I think that CTE and what we know now about concussion protocol across any world of sports, I think that coverage matters. I think you guys out there would agree with me that we don't want to see anybody get hurt unnecessarily. And I think a big man like Lars Sullivan taking an off-the-top rope risk like a diving headbutt is not necessary. I don't care if it hits to the shoulder or directly into the heart like it did to seal him the victory over EC3, but it hit him on the right shoulder, not the heart, Percy. It hit him on the right side. Anybody out there questioning me, it could have been a headbutt to the heart if EC3 was facing the other way, but it was a headbutt to the right shoulder, and I don't care where it hits. It's not a beautiful sight to see. Really dangerous maneuver, and especially for a man of Lars's size. I think that tossing power slam could be a good finisher. I think anything that can emphasize the power of his hands squishing your head can really point something home for him, but I want I want to keep talents safe, and I know, don't try this at home, everybody out there is a professional and completely aware of the risks that they're taking, but it's, it, it's hard to watch for some of those fans out there, and I'm hoping some of you agreed with me and didn't just fast forward through my little rant of safety here, but that would sum things up for the first edition of, well, first edition of October, but Not the first edition of this episode. Second week of NXT coverage has been discussed. And I'm really hoping I'm organically answering some of my questions here I got addressed for episode 70. Um, I'm going to go back while I recently talked about the subject. From my man, Jason Broadwell. Thank you so much, Jason, for the constant likes and retweets on the content. My thoughts on Tony Nese in NXT. Kind of answered this a little bit back when I covered that match. I think it can really, really spark his career again. I think anybody who goes to NXT for some character work and some mic time, like we saw in his interview segment, can get him a little bit more comfortable. Adding the eight reasons and putting a lot more emphasis on that during his entrance again. Always fun to watch. Little something to give you a little bit of cheap heat. If nothing else, I think there is nothing but positive forces that can come from Tony Nese being on NXT television. Uh, Who do I want to see Keith Lee have his first meaningful feud with? I will get to that after I discuss Keith Lee and Kona Reeves. I'm kind of just taking this middle break segment before I get into the most recent edition of NXT coverage to just gloss over any questions I may have. Uh, What's next for Velveteen Dream? Definitely addressing that as soon as I discuss NXT's most recent episode on October 10th. And this one you guys are going to want to stick around to the end of the episode discussion for. If I could take any NXT talent from any of the NXT eras, and that would be over the past couple years with this NXT championship, and create a dream NXT Survivor Series team, who do I choose? That one's going to be rough, that one's going to be tough, and uh, it was not easy. I started typing out a couple options, I've deleted and edited and subtracted names all throughout this, so thank you Jason for that creative question, I'm definitely going to be answering this one. And as well as Nick Tulo's question of, I'm thinking War Games is going to be done Ricochet and War Raiders versus Undisputed Era for all the titles. A all take all. Not one takes all, all taking all. Makeshift fashion versus one of the most dominant fashions going in NXT right now. If Undisputed Era were to lose their gold, do we see them crash Survivor Series? I don't. I don't see them crashing Survivor Series. 
I think if all the gold is up in the air, I think I think Undisputed Era is walking away with all of it. Who do I see solo-y, solo-y representing the NXT WWE United Kingdom Championship? I think due to his history with it and how much he seemed to want to be the first ever North American representative of the WWE UK title, I think... Uh, I think once Red Dragon's back in competing form, you give the NXT tag title responsibilities back to Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, and I think you give uh, I think you give Roderick Strong that WWE UK title, and I think Adam Cole's the first ever two-time WWE North American champion. So thank you guys for those questions. I'm going to get to that Survivor Series question at the end of the October 10th edition discussion of NXT. And that begins right now. Oh boy, and I just want to say, I'm a huge believer in brief shows. If you listen to me before, I like to give you guys the hour of NXT, probably within a 30, 35, at most 45 minute time period. And uh, I'm giving you guys a lot of discussion here. A lot of it is making up for my own shortcoming in the discussion, but it all... It all bridges together, and uh, it feels good to finally be all caught up again. Let's get to the October 10th edition, which was absolutely a 10 out of 10 edition of NXT, highlighted and main evented by the WWE NXT North American UK Champion Undisputed Era Clash that was Pete Dunne versus Ricochet versus Adam Cole for the North American Championship. But first our NXT champion would address some things. And the first thing he would be addressing here, ladies and gentlemen, is his new entrance music. He loves his new music because it silences all of the sheep and the doubters and anybody who doesn't think Tommaso Ciampa's title reign is the best thing since sliced bread and on and on and on. And the meat of this would be the Aleister Black investigation and the accusations against Tommaso Ciampa. And for anybody who might have skipped my last little uh, bit on this, I love how the Aleister Black investigation has opened up all sorts of stories from division to division. The Aleister Black investigation accusations by the Velveteen Dream on Tommaso Ciampa is what sparked this rivalry. The War Raiders versus Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era is still wrapped up in the Aleister Black investigation. Adam Cole and Undisputed Era, just because they drove away, William Regal always has his eyes on the potential of those guys for wrongdoing. I'll mention it even as I'm covering this, but Nikki Cross is the catalyst for all of the things that has to be going on in this investigation. She had the best possible vantage point for what could have gone on in that parking lot. And I'm hoping that's somebody tweeting at me to... Uh, to agree with me. No, it's a, it's a personal email check. Anyways, Velveteen Dream would enter in what seemingly was Shinsuke Nakamura-inspired jackets. And he does not appreciate the threats. The Dream does not appreciate the accusation of accusations. And he believes the NXT title deserves a real experience. A whole new world for Goldie to be introduced to. Velveteen is accusing the champ for the sake of attention. Tommaso Ciampa vows that the only way that Velveteen Dream would possibly get in his way or get acknowledged by him is to point the finger at a serious accusation like taking out his possible NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4 opponent of Aleister Black. The current champion knocking out the former champion to secure that he doesn't have to grant him a rematch in that triple threat match. Solid logic. The dream is a dreamer. The dream is creative. The dream understands. But Tommaso Ciampa says that the title, and let it be known, this is the title. These are not my words. These are not Tommaso Ciampa's words. These are not William Regal's words. These are the NXT title's words. And I don't speak championship title. Maybe some of you out there who have independently wrestled and have held pieces of gold yourself might have dabbled in championship linguistics 
before, I guess being the right word. Hey, the title thinks something that I don't think a lot of us think anymore, but that Velveteen Dream is just not tough enough. They would have been harsh words for Patrick Clark, but the Velveteen Dream does not disagree with, does not agree in the slightest. Give the Dream one moment with you and the NXT title. We can possibly see some major foreshadowing for what is to come at NXT TakeOver War Games 2. I cannot wait for that one. Give me Velveteen Dream versus Tommaso Ciampa for that championship. Nikki Cross. Mention Nikki Cross and Nikki Cross's genius and character work knows no bounds. The most creative and captivating character in the NXT women's division right now. Without a doubt. One of the most talented, if not the most talented female performer in all of WWE. And if you don't believe me, you can check out my interview with former and founding member of Sanity, Sawyer Fulton. I'll go out of my way to plug that interview as much as I can because I had a ton of fun doing it and I learned a lot about Nikki Cross and that denim jacket. And uh, there's a really great story about the first night that Nikki Cross wore and used and tried to just just check out the interview and you'll get a really good Nikki Cross jacket story. Nikki Cross seemingly enamored with the Velveteen Dream and Tommaso Ciampa ends the championship title and just what's going on in the world of Nikki Cross. What is going on in that mind? We will never know. The only thing we will know is that she knows. She knows what you did, looks at Velveteen Dream. She knows what you did, Tommaso Ciampa. And I'm jumping a little bit ahead of myself, but she even knows what Cassius Ono did. Could it have been a conspiracy? Could it have been a joint effort of an Aleister Black attack? Could it have been a conspiracy between the Velveteen Dream and Tommaso Ciampa to both attack Aleister Black to knock him out of the championship picture? And once Tommaso Ciampa successfully defended his title against Johnny Gargano, possibly granting Velveteen Dream a championship opportunity, and this could just be the wool over our eyes? How much in cahoots could the champion and seemingly current champion competitor be in? I don't know. This is just me spitballing here. Give me your absolute craziest thoughts on this Aleister Black investigation. Nikki Cross knows what you did. The NXT Universe wants to see a triple threat match for the NXT Championship. Figured I'd throw that fun little detail in there too. Nikki Cross displaying her absolute great character work through nonverbal communication. Just her absolute dedication to actions and verbal cues and facial expressions and kicking the microphone away from Tommaso Ciampa. These are the things we're going to be talking about for a long time on NXT TV And a lot of NXT's best moments, especially over the past year, even without Sanity at her side, Nikki Cross still a standout in the world of the NXT television. All right, going almost an hour here, team. Let's, uh, Let's keep pushing on through. We could push right through this one because Keith Lee pushed right on through the finest Kona Reeves. And the charismatic colossus of Keith Lee would laugh at the finest claims of Kona Reeves. Keith Lee's not buying it. Nobody in NXT's audience is buying it. There is such an overcompensation. There's an overcompensation aura when it comes to Kona Reeves' character work. It's just, he's trying too hard to represent himself as a rich guy. And I'm really hoping that's done on purpose. Because we've seen it in the past. We know how glorious Bobby Roode was. We know that EC3 is in the top 1% of NXT, not just talent-wise, but financially. Tino Sabatelli going out of his way to flash his Maserati keys and his nice suits at you whenever he got a chance to, and even Riddick Moss would try and piggyback on that opportunity when he was able to. But Kona Reeves, it's just a chain, it's a jacket, it's him screaming about being the finest, it's throwing it in your face without anything to back it up. Could he be a trust fund kid? Could this be an illusion of grandeur 
kind of like an illusion of ring talent that he kind of seems to be trying to get um, get across to us. Kona is just, he's just killing these crowds. I don't know what it is. It's just, you, you could feel the energy get sucked out of a full cell crowd. And that does not happen when many competitors are out there. But it's unfortunately happening with Kona Reeves. I'm not entirely giving up on the guy, but it's really hard to be as positive and non-critical as I tend to be on NXT TV when discussing the quote-unquote finest. But Keith Lee would have a limitless look on his face, the speed and the power would be undeniable, and the supernova that Fireman's Carry Slam into a jackhammer would seal the victory for the limitless Lee. Keith Lee mentioned he had NXT title aspirations on his mind, but I do want to see him as the first program that means something for Keith Lee. I've tweeted about it before, and I'm going to mention a guy I recently mentioned, and that, of course, being Lars Sullivan. Lars Sullivan versus Keith Lee, in my eyes right now, is money. If Killian Dane were still an option on NXT television, I would have loved to see Killian Dane versus Keith Lee also, pretty much three of the most sizable and talented big men I have seen come through NXT. Those are the three, any combination of those three guys, you can give me a match and I will be perfectly satisfied with a Hoss fight. And we all know, if you've been listening to me for as long as you have, my reaction to Killian Dane versus Lars Sullivan. Big behemoth brawls are always welcome here, even though I'm initially a cruiserweight fan, but anything NXT television can give me will always provide the opportunity for entertainment. Moving into women's action, though, we got another backstage look at the two competitors, Mae Young Classic Finals 1 rematch. Mae Young Classic Finals 2 rematch will happen on the same day, but at WWE Evolution, Kyrie Sane will take on Shayna Baszler. Shayna gave us a brief look at her training camp. Kyrie Sane still excited about the opportunity at Evolution, not letting any of Shayna's more recent training regiments get underneath the Pirate Princess's skin. She's excited and she's aware of the training, but I will beat her again is the vow of the Pirate Princess and current NXT Women's Champion. Going over to what our valued general manager, William Regal, needs, he needs answers. And he obviously values the words of Nikki Cross. Even though they've only been, I know, and secrets and playdates and Bianca and... You gotta sit down and somehow get a decent story out of Nikki Cross. And that's probably going to be the biggest challenge of this entire investigation. And in walks Cassius Ono. Cassius Ono, another man who has been set up for story opportunity through this Aleister Black investigation. He wants to know where the newest addition to his roster is. We saw Matt Riddle debut on NXT's live circuit. But where is he on NXT television? Why isn't he at Full Sail University? Cassius Ono needs answers, bro. You don't know what I'm about because Cassius Ono at this point has been wiped off as a suspect in the Aleister Black investigation. I still think that joining Candice and Kyrie could be some sort of cover-up. And Nikki Cross would kind of drive that point home because she says, I know what you did too. After even slightly accusing the newest edition of Matt Riddle as possibly wanting to make his name by attacking a former NXT champion. Cassius Ono pointing the fingers, not just away from himself, because he hasn't, but also towards Matt Riddle. Could Matt Riddle make an impact on Full Sail by attacking a former champion? Just another thing to think about in this seemingly never-ending investigation of who attacked Aleister Black, and a match that I would have been more than happy with, never ending, is this main event. And almost an hour in, I'm finally getting to the main event of all main events across this week. And so far, two episodes in, my match of the month for October, a 10 out of 10 on 10 out of 10, Pete Dunne, WWE UK Champion, taking on Undisputed Era Leader and former inaugural NXT North American Champion Adam Cole, and the one and only Ricochet, the current North American champion. And Team NXT, I know a good match when I see it. 
Mostly because I uh, I don't have the kind of time to take my eyes away from the screen and give you guys good notes on how great this match exactly was. The focus, though, was on the common enemy in this matchup. Ricochet and Pete Dunne's champion versus champion match was interrupted by Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era. So the focus was on the common enemy, baby. They would take turns putting the hurtin' on Adam Cole. But one thing Ricochet learned you don't do is you don't attempt to shake the hands of the Bruiserweight. Pete Dunne would meet a handshake with a vicious forearm to the North American champion's jaw. And watching at home, it uh, it, it, it kind of made me double check how... Uh, how my beard was holding up because I thought I felt a couple hairs escape my own jaw when Ricochet got popped in his. Ricochet and Pete Dunne though able to give us a couple shades of what we saw weeks ago in their champion versus champion match and each one of these men, this is this is something I really loved about this match here folks. All three of these men have history as one-on-one opponents with each other. We've seen Dunne versus Ricochet. We've seen Ricochet versus Cole. We've seen Cole versus Dunn. We've seen it. And they all had callbacks to their specific confrontations with one another. Almost taken out of midair with a moonsault by a superkick was Ricochet. Almost. Ricochet wise to Adam Cole's tactics this time, but unaware of a double superkick that would come his way in that matchup. Yeah, almost escaping that one. Fast action from all angles and absolutely all styles of offense. We would see double submissions by Pete Dunne. We would see triple strikes all around. Double Hurricane Ranas from Ricochet. It was a fight and a battle to the bitter end. Did I just spoil the mat? No. No. The bitter end, I'm not referring to the bitter end that would set up Adam Cole for a pinfall attempt by Pete Dunne, but the real bitter end of this matchup would be bittersweet for a lot of people in that NXT crowd. A 450 to Pete Dunne across the ring, a springboard 450 mid-pinfall. Cole would be freed from the pinfall attempt. Pete Dunne would be pinned for the 1-2-3, and Ricochet would successfully defend his NXT North American Championship. So Pete Dunne being pinned in this matchup, and what we know now about NXT UK airing, I'm really thinking that was kind of a send-off for Pete Dunne from Full Sail University. I really hope I'm wrong, though. I hope we do see some cross-country play between the NXT UK roster and the mainstay Full Sail Live NXT roster because there's there could be some really interesting and international matchups a lot of us are dying to see. I'm gonna fantasy book one myself right now and say I want to see Mark Andrews versus Johnny Gargano. I think that could be a fast paced, high flying matchup that not a lot of us would even think to expect. And uh two of my personal favorites across NXT's roster and the NXT UK roster. So Pete Dunn being pinned in this matchup, Adam Cole has a case. That he was not pinned in his rematch for the North American title. And that he should get one last opportunity at the one and only. Give me your thoughts on that one, Team NXT. I think that's where this one is going. Adam Cole will do whatever it takes to get that strap back around his shoulder. Adam Cole believes that the legacy of the North American Championship begins and ends with him. Lots to cover. I'm glad I did it. Thank you guys for listening. I don't care if you listened to five minutes or the entire hour of this discussion. Thank you so much for the support. I cannot, I can't thank you guys enough. I, I really can't. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for coming back this week as I have come back. It has been an absolutely spectacular episode 70. But let me go back and address that Jason Broadwell's last and final question of a Survivor Series team. We are in that season. It's fall. It's autumn here in the United States. We are waiting for Survivor Series. Everybody's favorite American Thanksgiving tradition. And of course highlighted by a traditional 5-on-5 Survivor Series team. Now there's so many of my favorite wrestlers that have come and gone through the NXT system. 
including one of my favorite factions going right now, and that would be The Shield. So how I could leave out the namesake of the show and first ever NXT champion Seth Rollins? I'm going to address that problem before it becomes one. I picked a particular theme when it came to the Survivor Series team, and once again, thank you so much to Jason for this question. Thank you to Mr. Warren Hayes for con- for collaborating in the discussion again, and uh, cannot wait to do a second predictions show with that gentleman come NXT TakeOver War Games. But first, NXT Survivor Series team, I'm giving you best friends turned foes, and two of NXT's best friends. Actually, three of NXT's best rivalries. One team on one side, Johnny Gargano, Sami Zayn, Aleister Black, Ty Dillinger, and Finn Balor. Five premier babyfaces in the world of NXT. Taking on Tommaso Ciampa, Kevin Owens, The Velveteen Dream, The Mastermind of Sanity, Eric Young, And Tyler Breeze. Prince Pretty Tyler Breeze. But Danny, you said some of NXT's best rivalries. Well, Aleister Black, Velveteen Dream, Rivalry of the Year. No need to address that one. Ty Dillinger's last run on NXT had a very memorable rivalry against Sanity. Go back if you want to listen to my coverage on that. And just go back on WWE Network if you want to check out an incredible steel cage match between Sanity's Eric Young and... Ty Dillinger. Finn Balor and Tyler Breeze. Lots of history between these two. Memorable NXT number one contender championship matches between these two. So I think I think NXT, I think Premier Heels in their NXT heyday, I still think of Prince Pretty, Tyler Breeze. So I hope you enjoyed my five Survivor Series team. Give me your thoughts. On an NXT formed 5 versus 5 Survivor Series team, I'm going to go out of my way to tweet this question a little bit closer to the time, but if you're listening to this episode, give me your thoughts. At me. Give me 5 versus 5 as soon as you possibly think of them. Don't even think of them. Give me what 5 guys you want to see take on 5 other dudes on NXT across any era, any champion. You could go back as far as the game show days if you'd like to. Give me founding members of Nexus versus CM Punk's version of Nexus. The possibilities are absolutely endless with this fantasy book. Once again, thank you so much to Jason and Nick for those memorable questions on the NXT roster. I'm going to come up with even more come episode 75. But until then, thank you so much. And I anticipate you guys listening to me next week because I anticipate finally getting back on track and delivering weekly content. The Wrestling Podcast Awards are right around the corner. The nominations are almost up. The voting will begin soon. Thank you to any support I can get out there. It's really difficult being solo produced and independently produced and a solo act and having to sit here and spout NXT discussion topics at my dog can make me seem a little crazy sometimes. But if you're enjoying my coverage, I really, that's all I ask for. That's all I wanted out of this. That's why I do this. I don't have a Patreon page. I'm not asking for your money. My t-shirt campaigns, 10% of all my profits have always gone to charity. I'm going to throw up a breast cancer benefit going at some point this month. Really starting to think that getting this episode out there is really going to start a catalyst in me and really want to push more of the important production values of this show. Thank you so much for listening to the longest running, solo produced, independently produced NXT podcast available today. I am CD Danny Mac. Please be sure to follow all of the social media at podcast underscore UF being the primary source. I love you out there wrestling Twitter. Feel free to reach out to me with any of your thoughts and follow my live tweeting coverage of Raw Smackdown spoiler free NXT and just much, much more. Uh, Twitter's where you're going to find my primary source of social media outreach. You'll find me out there on Facebook also. Give a like to the page at Undisputed Future Podcast. All one word is the Instagram. You'll find wrestling memes, pictures of the dog, anything wrestling related that just so happens to make me laugh. I tend to go out of my way to post up on there. 
And of course, I thank you for listening to me on any podcasting platform, whether that be SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, CastBox.fm, the AllPod Alexa app. There's so many podcasting platforms I'm just being made aware that I am available on. So if you find me on anything you particularly enjoy and you're listening, that's really all I ask for. And that irritating click that probably came through the monitor here is a sign that my computer is low on energy. I've been sitting here talking to you guys about NXT for over an hour now, so I'm going to sum things up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been a spectacular episode 70. Have a great week out there, Team NXT, and I will talk to you next time.